Can you tell us something more about the main goals of this season? Uh, to try to win everything. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast. The weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in because we're about to begin. Yo ho! Welcome to episode 32 of the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi pro cyclist rides for love and not money. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who will win everything. Hey there, semi-pros. My name is Damien Roos. I'm the founder of Semi-Pro Cycling, home of the Semi-Pro Cyclist. Alrighty, iTunes review time. And thank you very much to two people that dropped iTunes reviews this week. Number one, Bill Carter, CPA, very enthusiastic. What can I say? Outstanding information. Damien is so enthusiastic. Lots of valuable information for those who want to get better on the bike. This podcast gives you the motivation to train hard. Facts, links, something for everybody. Even if your goals are personal fitness, there is something for you. You will be glad you listen to this podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time out to do that, Bill. I know that you love getting on the trainer and we're going to push you to get out and go for that group ride. Number two, best cycling podcast available, C.E. Baker. The Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast is the most professional cycling podcast available. The quality of content, concepts, guests, and audio quality is top-notch and exceeds my expectations each week when I download the new episode. I look forward to it each week, and it makes my driving commutes to, from, work bearable. Damien obviously has a wealth of knowledge and presents complex topics in an intuitive way, yet doesn't gloss over critical details. I'm constantly amazed by his depth of knowledge, as well as his ability to research evidence to support the concepts presented. The fact that he is able to attract guests such as power guru Hunter Allen speaks volumes to Damien's credibility. Kudos on having the best show available, and please keep up the stellar work. Wow. That is a killer review. I really appreciate you taking the time out to do that, Mr. C.E. Baker. I'm actually a little flattered by everything written by these reviews. I strive each week to put together a solid show for everybody listening, but to know that there are people out there that are digging it really does mean the world to me. And if you dig the show, I would love if you did the same. And keep those reviews coming. So, the pro cycling news this week. A couple of big ones. Katusha has rejoined the fray, and what can you say about that? What can you say about them actually stepping in, the trouble that it's probably going to cause when it comes to the big ASO races coming up? This whole process has been an interesting one to watch from the sidelines, and I don't really have a lot to say on it, but just quickly, here's Valerio Piva, the DS for Katusha, talking about when he told the team. Just after the finish, I informed uh, Purito first and then the other riders. So that was for us uh, a big victory today. And another thing on this matter, UCI, you've done it again. You are a vain, greedy, cruel boy. You are an old man and a fool! You're unworthy! Father. And now take from you your power! I cast you out! Well, I think this is why we haven't seen him win a bike race for a while, but he's back. Tor! Tor is back! He came away with a win on the weekend. 
He felt that he had the confidence and he sent his team in to do a lead out for him. And I've got to say, I'm pretty stoked because he is one of the big guns, one of the big classic riders that I want to see out there challenging when it comes to the spring classics. I hope this is a sign of things to come. And I'm sure BMC are thinking the exact same thing. Okay, so the nuts and bolts this week, managing overreaching and preventing overtraining. Riders experience minor fatigue and acute reductions in performance as a consequence of the normal training process. I just had to put that out there. I know that you all know this, but as far as it's concerned when it comes to overtraining, it's slightly different Because your body just has not got the ability to adapt to the training that you're doing. Overtraining is a physical, behavioral, and emotional condition that occurs when the volume and intensity of an individual's exercise exceeds their recovery capacity. Or, I put it another way, a simpler way, it's an imbalance between training and recovery, exercise and exercise capacity, and stress and stress tolerance. Stress... Stress, stress, stress. Stress is the sum of training and non-training stress factors. It's difficult to distinguish between adaption and maladaption to stresses. So stress can be physical, mental, whatever. Anything that adds stress to your entire life, which then affects your training, can be classed as stressor. But what causes overtraining exactly? Markers of overreaching and overtraining are hard to make because overtraining research is so scattered and non-conclusive, there are two theories floating around the science world ever since they started studying them in the 1950s. Number one is a single stress model, where it's simply put down to training, load, recovery, imbalance. I don't believe that's the case. So number two, multi-stresses. So the multi-stress model takes into other factors, physical, emotional, psychological, and social, and puts them together as a reason that overtraining has occurred. I did read an interesting paper on personality factors and how they influence your stress appraisal. I won't get into it because it's a little dry, but quick gist of it is that the stresses that you experience in your life can either be blown up or shrunk down depending on how you handle stress. I think that's a really interesting take and it really floats my boat, but it's not for everyone. So check it out if you're interested. Basically, overtraining remains poorly understood and understudied. Perhaps that's why there happens to be an overdiagnosis of overtraining by riders. What most people will experience is overreaching, which is training a little bit beyond your capabilities, which is the idea with training in the first place. And we all know this, right, that training has to be more intense or it has to have more volume than before or both in order to create greater adaption and then greater fitness. Anyway, today I'm going to talk about overreaching instead of overtraining. And overreaching describes the short-term overload that can be managed within a few days. Well, a few days to a couple of weeks, depending on who you talk to. But overreaching can develop into overtraining. And that's the tough stuff to recover from. If an athlete does not mitigate the factors caused by overreaching or fails to allocate proper recovery time, then you're in a lot of trouble because it can take from months to years to then deal with overtraining. When we look at you know the two terms, overreaching and overtraining, they're not the same. When your body feels heavy, you feel listless, you really have the inability to drive your heart rate up to that sub-threshold level we were just talking about. You try to put the power down on the pedals and your legs just ache, and quite often you feel that achiness all the way through your entire torso. Why is, why is that? 
A lot of times when we do a harder session, and we look at the reasons why you uh, keep loading on that train, loading on that train, there's really three principles. One, you have to have overload. You have to have a logical progression to that overload, and you also have to have recovery. And that recovery, as you guys get in better shape, and that's really key to being resilient and to rebounding and not get to the point where you're overextended or overreached. And, and this overreaching, again, comes back to this heaviness, this general malaise that you have, this fatigue. A couple things happen to lead to this overreaching state. One, when we exercise, we end up, to get high, higher levels, we end up elevating these muscle enzyme levels that cause this soreness or this fatigue. We also elevate this other uh, stress hormone called cortisol. That one can elevate a lot. When we have interrupted sleep, when we're not recovering from, from day to day, we end up decreasing the amount of growth hormone that we naturally produce, and, and that helps uh, eliminate and alleviate some of these stress hormones, cortisol, and also helps remove and expedite that, that soreness that you have from, from muscle enzymes and other enzymes that are kind of ravaging your systems. That's Dave Scott. He's an ex-triathlete, <clears throat> but we'll overlook that for the time being. What he's talking about is what could be happening in your body when you're going through the overreaching phase. So I wanted to talk about what you can recognize and what signs that you can watch out for when you're training to get an understanding of whether you are overreaching. What follows is my basic list of seven signs that indicate you may be overreaching. Some are objective measures, while others derive from my own personal experiences with overreaching. So don't think that they're going to be based on all science or any heavy factors. For me, they're just things that you can quickly check off in your mind and give you a quick indicator of whether you have pushed it too far in the last month or so. So as a thought exercise, keep this in the back of your mind. Over the last month or so, if you nod your head when it comes to these signs that I'm going to list out, we can think back over the last training month and then assess to make adjustments for the training month coming if you have been overloaded. So moving into number one, a 10 to 20% increase in training volume over a three to four week period. As far as the increase that you want to do when you are training, 10 or 20 is quite a lot. If you feel that you are in an overreach state right now, then looking back on your training program and calculating the exact percentage of increase that you were going through from week to week, and then a total of what the month was, will give you a good indicator whether you can handle that from month to month. It's a pretty clear cut indicator that you can adjust very easily when it comes to looking at how much you've done and can I change that for the next month if I feel that I've overreached. There are ways to quantify this, which I'm going to go into in the tech hacks and products section, but as far as just giving you a clear overview, if you haven't used any tools beforehand, just looking at those percentages, it's quite easy to work out, but it will give you a really good indicator of how much is too much for now. Number two, combining two hard variables in one training session. This comes down to what I was talking about. If you have trouble getting in your workouts during the week and then you have a three-hour ride on Sunday, so you just throw in a whole bunch of things from that week, that's going to spell trouble. I've said this before, but it has to be said again. If you're combining a long ride with challenging hills or a tempo session with interval work and your body has not worked up to that state yet, then you're going to put yourself into trouble. And if you do this week after week, that cumulative effect will then mean that you are overreached and you will have to back it off a little bit in order to get back to a state that can handle any type of hard training. Number three, two or three high-intensity workouts in a single week. 
you really want to balance any high-intensity workouts you do with volume rides or active recovery rides. If you're just prescribing to this popular thought of HIIT training, high-intensity training, and you're just going out and smashing yourself, your body is really, really going to suffer. I cannot advise people to get away from this enough because it's dangerous. It's absolutely dangerous if you don't have the base and your joints and your muscles and everything can't handle it, let alone your physical adaption when it comes to any of your energy systems. You're really going to work yourself into trouble and work yourself into the ground because who has time to lie down after a high-intensity workout so your body can just do all the repair necessary to step up and do it again the next day. So this is where it comes down to adequate planning. And if you look back on your training program and you've just snuck a couple of extra high-intensity workouts, that could be one reason that you are overreached. Number four, overload in life stresses outside of cycling. There can be a gazillion different ways that you can be overloaded from things outside of cycling. We all know them. We're semi-pros. We don't just do this full-time for a living. We have a million different things going on. So looking back and seeing what stresses caused what, at a certain point during the month, did something happen that meant that your mind was busy? You were not looking after yourself. You know, you were neglecting small things. It would be pretty good to have just a mental picture of how you react to different things and then giving yourself a bit of space around that problem or whatever pops up and then you're not going to give yourself such a hard time because you know that you're just going to dig yourself into the ground if you just continue to act how you have done in the past. The, the easiest thing to do may be just lay off yourself for a while, not give yourself a hard time about missing things, just getting your head right and getting back to it as soon as you can. Number five, reduced sleep. It links into the stresses. This may be a result of stresses outside of the cycling, but it also may be the cycling itself where you just don't have the ability to sleep in or you don't have the ability to get to sleep early or you're waking up in the middle of the night. Whatever it is, your hours of sleep are reduced. A good way to quantify this would be through the Zio, where you can actually figure out what factors go into changing your sleep patterns and changing the quality of your sleep, how long REM you have been in on average over the last month and where the changes were and what actually affected that. I don't know about you, but when everything's going right and training's good and hard, as soon as I put my head on the pillow, I am out. Number six, inadequate nutritional elements in your diet. Now, this is pretty straightforward. If you're not using the 20 to 40 minute window to get some food in as soon as you finish the ride, because you know it's not about the ride you've just done, it's about the ride you're about to do or the next ride that you're going to do. If you do that consistently over a week, two weeks or whatever, you're just going to go down, 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 down until you just can't do it anymore. You've got to replenish those glycogen stores. You've got to make sure you're on your nutrition all the time. I'm not talking about having a sneaky beer here and there. I'm talking about the fundamental building blocks of energy in your body that means that you can produce the required effort it takes to get quality training out in things like intervals and any high-intensity training that you're doing. Low-intensity training is slightly different. You still need the base, especially if you're doing long miles, but outside of high-intensity stuff, 
you can pretty much skate around and not always have correct nutrition. But if you're in a high-intensity phase, there is no way that you can mess with your diet because you're going to get into trouble. And number seven, the final one, too many events in your racing season. Now, my idea behind this is that if you start putting in too many events in your racing season, it's not just the intensity of racing. It's all the other elements involved. If you have to travel, you have to prep your bike, you have to talk with your teammates, you have to plan accommodation. You know, there is so much extra energy expended on getting ready for a big event. Even if it's not your A race, you still get nervous. You still put time into preparing. You still want to do the best that you can tactically or get a hard workout out of it. So you're planning it. And if you're not doing as well as you thought you were going to do, then you're going to give yourself a hard time and blah, 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 blah. It wastes all this extra energy. So perhaps looking at a way to just hit events that are either going to give you solid workouts or they're your main ones that you're aiming for. Outside of that, I really feel that it's going to make you overreach. So go back and have a look at how your training is going to be connected to your racing and whether there is any events that you may be able to pull out because they will put you into an overreach state, which then could compromise your season in its totality. If you have these warning signs, what do you do? So if you were nodding your head to a couple of these, but you're still unsure, it's good to test out your body in a modified workout before you go and do a full proper workout. Something like this. So my first training session today will be a 17 minute uh, session on the trainer, on the indoor trainer. And that'll basically be a, a session designed to estimate how fatigued I am before I go out onto my first uh, intervals for the day. Um, it's a test uh, my coach, Jeroen Swart, has uh, developed and it's a pretty accurate gauge of whether or not uh, your body is ready for you know, a heavy training load or whether I should take it easy for the rest of the day. I don't have the specifics of this, but basically, if you're doing intervals, I'd do a five-minute warm-up and then try a five-minute steady-state interval at your FTP or your threshold heart rate. And if you hit the number, then I would just go straight out and do the workout. But also keep in mind that you want to have a look after the workout of your overall performance. And so that can give you an indicator of whether it worked or not, and it wasn't just the one interval at the start that you could actually stick to. And if you can't make your workouts and the numbers within those workouts for a couple of days, then you're going to want to look at something that's a bit longer, something like this. When we look at uh, this fatigue that you have that can lead to overreaching or this overextended state, what do you do? And, and how do you recognize it? Again, the number one thing is that you just have a general heaviness. You may not have an elevated pulse rate, but you have the inability to drive your heart rate up, up to a sub-threshold level. You cannot do it. Your body almost has a defense mechanism that says, no, it's like a governor. I'm not going to allow you to do it. Um, I don't always think that looking at morning pulse rate is an indicator of, of overtraining. I think it's the second one. You, can't, you cannot drive your heart rate up. If you get to this state, what's the best thing to do? Take two days off. Take two days off completely where you allow your body just to, to regenerate and to sort of reheal, and then have three days with very light exercise. So it's two plus three, it's a five day block. Two days completely off, no exercise, 
light walking maybe, and then three days where you've reduced your volume back. And my suggestion is that you do anywhere between 30 minutes to 90 minutes of exercise. So if I have two days off, it happens to be Monday, Tuesday, then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday will be 30 to 90 minutes of light exercise. By the next weekend, you're, you're ready to ramp it right back up. And if that doesn't change anything, then take up to two weeks off. Like I said, the common recovery to get over overreaching is between two days and two weeks. So it's only after two weeks that you should take the next step. And so if you don't feel better after two weeks, that's when you should go see your primary care doctor and mention that you're concerned about overtraining, not overreaching, overtraining. Or you might want to seek out a physician who specializes in sports medicine because recovery from overtraining can take months to years. It's serious, peeps. It's absolutely serious. So not only if you're going to speak to a sports medicine doctor about this, you want to really vet anyone that you're talking to because the research is so variable that you want to get an understanding that they have dealt with cyclists in the past and they know how to get you through this. Otherwise, if it's going to drag out to years, then you're in big, big trouble. And that is when we're talking about much heavier stuff that no one wants to get into, and it would really, really suck. So moving right along to the tech hacks and product section, what I want to talk about is monitoring your overreach state. So I kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the nuts and bolts segment where you can quantify your recovery. It's not just about recognizing the signs that I've mentioned already. It comes down to balancing out your training load and recovery. I've spoken in the past about how a power meter can help you do this, especially the concepts developed by Hunter and Coggan. And the following hacks and tools are to optimize your training load and related recovery. And so they help you find your edge and get as close as possible without going over it. Because there is a point of diminishing returns related to training, which can be hard to judge if you're self-coached and no one is monitoring you. Sure, if you understand all of these concepts in total depth and you're able to read the signs, then you probably won't have a problem with training load. But if you're just kind of fumbling through because you don't understand things or you haven't taken the time to learn them yet, then that's when you could really get into some trouble when there is some obvious ways developed to help you avoid this in the first place. So I've gone through six common programs and I'm just going to report on their stress scoring systems so you can monitor yourself by quantifying training load. And I do want to remind you again that this is cycling only. What I'm saying by that is it would be great if you could quantify your life's total load, you know, maybe one day that's going to happen, but it doesn't at the moment. So you have to factor in these elements and stresses as well. And this is kind of where a coach would come in normally so number one is the benchmark, and it's pretty much what everything has been based off when you start getting into different names. They're essentially just going to be the same thing. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but we're talking about Training Peaks and WKO Plus here. I will link to an article that breaks it down really well on their site, but if I talk about these, I'll just match them up to their equivalents in the other programs, TSS, Training Stress Score and training stress score intensity factor times intensity factor times duration in hours by 100. It takes into account both intensity and the duration of each training session. CTL, chronic training load. Chronic training load is an exponentially weighted average of TSS per day with a 42 time constant. Or in other words, it takes into account mostly the last six weeks of training. And CTL can be thought of as fitness. 
ATL acute training load. Acute training load is an exponentially weighted average of TSS per day with a 5 to 10 time constant. Or in other words, it takes into account mostly the last 5 to 10 days of training. ATL can be thought of as freshness. TSB, training, stress, balance. TSB can be thought of as form. When you're really fit, high CTL and really fresh, low ATL, TSB will be high. This is peak form and a desirable score for you to have for your A race day. Now, that's slightly dry and those people that are familiar with it will be bored out of their brain listening to that. But I think it's important just to mention those so that you can go and have a look at them because they are the absolute gold standard when it comes to looking at your training load and assessing whether you need to cut back or you can do more. It's going to be good as well. It's going to prevent overreaching in the first place and then move on and hopefully prevent overtraining. So number two is is Polar Personal Trainer and they do the same thing under what they call training load which is just one score that they've been able to color code into the actual calendar of their training diary and if you look on the top left hand corner you'll see an indication for the day that you're going out of either green, yellow or red telling you no problems, back off a little or don't go out at all. Number three, cyclinganalytics.com, their training load falls under SDS, short-term stress, which is the equivalent of ATL, LTS, long-term stress, the equivalent of CTL, and stress balance, which is the equivalent of TSB. It does this very cleanly, very simply in one chart, and you can see your progression over your entire season to see if you have moved to the point of peak form around your A race day. Number four, Golden Cheetah. They do this through bike score, short-term stress, long-term stress, and trim, which trim is used for heart rate, so it's slightly different. But essentially, these match up, again, to cycling analytics and to training peaks or WKO+. And Strava, again, is doing the same thing. So everyone's taking the same idea, where Strava's one is weighted average power, training load, intensity, and power curve. And so they're taking this concept where you're able to look at your training program and figure out whether you're overworked or not. I think the interesting thing about this is that there will be some point in the future that all we're doing is basing our training on these figures. Of course, we'll put into the other stresses into the equation, but if we could just base our training on one score or multiple scores, then that directs the workout that we do for that day, then that would eliminate a lot of guesswork when it comes to how you adapt, how hard you can go during training, and when you need to put the work in so that you can be at your peak at your A race. Now, that quote from the top of the show, it's Tornado Tom Boonan, talking about his plans to take over the world tour. Can he repeat his wins this year? I hope Cancellara doesn't fall off his bike, Tor doesn't get struck down again, Gilbert is flying, and any other big guns come out firing because at least then we'll have some racing on our hands, which is what I want to see. And all I can say is spring classics, bring it on. And that's it. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 